Letter nineteen of Clarissa, Volume one. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ben Dutton, Lampeter, Wales. Clarissa Harlow, or the History of a Young Lady, Volume One. By Samuel Richardson. Letter nineteen. Miss Clarissa Harlow to Miss Howe. In answer to letter fifteen. Saturday, March the fourth, twelve o'clock. Hannah has just now bought me from the usual place your favour of yesterday. The contents of it have made me very thoughtful, and you will have an answer in my gravest style. I do have that Mr. Soames. No, indeed, I will sooner, but I will write first to those passages in your letter which are less concerning, that I may touch upon this part with more patience. As to what you mention of my sister's value for Mr. Lovelace, I am not very much surprised at it. She takes such officious pains, and it is so much her subject to have it thought that she never did and never could like him, that she gives but too much room to suspect that she does. She never tells the story of their parting, and of her refusal of him, but her colour rises, she looks with disdain upon me, and mingles anger with the airs she gives herself, anger as well as airs, demonstrating that she refused a man whom she thought worth accepting. Where else is the reason either for anger or boast? Poor Bella! She is to be pitied. She cannot either like or dislike with temper. Would to heaven she had been mistress of her wishes! Would to heaven she had! As to what you say of my giving up to my father's control the estate devised me, my motives at the time, as you acknowledge, were not blamable. Your advice to me on the subject was grounded, as I remember, on your good opinion of me, believing that I should not make a bad use of the power willed me. Neither you nor I, my dear, although now you assume the air of a diviner, pardon me, could have believed that would have happened which has happened, as to my father's part particularly. You were indeed jealous of my brother's views against me or rather of his predominant love of himself. But I did not think so hardy of my brother and sister as you always did. You never loved them, and ill-will has eyes ever open to the family side, as goodwill or love is blind even to real imperfections. I will briefly recollect my motives. I found jealousies and uneasiness rising in every breast, where all before was unity and love. The honoured testator was reflected upon. A second childhood was attributed to him, and I was censured as having taken advantage of it. All young creatures, thought I, more or less covet independency, but those who wish most for it are seldom the fittest to be trusted either with the government of themselves or with power over others. This is certainly a very high and unusual device to so young a creature. We should not aim at all we have power to do so. 
to take all that good nature or indulgence or good opinion confers shows a want of moderation and a graspingness that is unworthy of that indulgence and are bad indications of the use that may be made of the power bequeathed it is true thought i that i have formed agreeable schemes of making others as happy as myself by the proper discharge of the stewardship entrusted to me are not all estates stewardships my dear but let me examine myself is not vanity or secret love of praise a principal motive with which at the bottom ought i not to suspect my own heart if i set up for myself puffed up with every one's good opinion may i not be left to myself every one's eyes are upon the conduct may i not be left to myself every one's eyes are upon the conduct upon the visits upon the visitors of a young creature of our sex made independent and are not such subjected more than any others to the attempts of enterprises and fortune-seekers and then left to myself should i take a wrong step though with ever so good an intention how many should i have to triumph over me how few to pity me the more of the one and the fewer of the other for having aimed at excelling these were some of my reflections at the time and i have no doubt but that in the same situation i should do the very same thing and that upon the maturest deliberation who can command or foresee events to act up to our best judgments at the time is all we can do if i have erred tis to worldly wisdom only that i have erred if we suffer by an act of duty or even by an act of generosity is it not pleasurable on reflection that the fault is in others rather than in ourselves i had much rather have reason to think others unkind than that they should have any to think me undutiful and so my dear i am sure had you and now for the most concerning part of your letter you think i must of necessity as matters are circumstanced be solmes's wife i will not be very rash my dear in protesting to the contrary but i think it never can and what is still more never ought to be my temper i know is depended upon but i have heretofore said that i have had something in me of my father's family as well of my mother's and have i any encouragement to follow too implicitly the example which my mother sets of meekness and resignedness to the wills of others is she not for ever obliged as she was pleased to hint to me to be of the forbearing side in my mother's case your observation i must own is verified that those who will bear much have much to bear what is it as she says that she has not sacrificed to peace yet has she by her sacrifices always found the peace she has deserved to find indeed no i am afraid the very contrary and often and often have i had reason on her account to reflect that we poor mortals by our over solicitude to preserve undisturbed the qualities we are constitutionally fond of 
frequently lose the benefits we propose to ourselves from them, since the designing and encroaching, finding out what we most fear to forfeit, direct their batteries against these our weaker places, and make it an artillery, if I may phrase it, of our hopes and fears, play upon us at their pleasure. Steadiness of mind, a quality which the ill-bred and censorious deny to any of our sex, when we are absolutely convinced of being in the right, otherwise it is not steadiness, but obstinacy, and when it is exerted in material cases, is a quality which, as my good Dr. Lewin was wont to say, brings great credit to the possessor of it. At the same time that it usually, when tried and known, raises such above the attempts of the meanly machinating. He used, therefore, to inculcate upon me this steadiness upon laudable convictions. And why may I not think that I am now put upon a proper exercise of it? I said above that I never can be, that I never ought to be, Mrs. Soames. I repeat that I ought not. For surely, my dear, I should not give up to my brother's ambition the happiness of my future life. Surely I ought not to be the instrument of depriving Mr. Soames's relations of their natural rights and reversionary prospects, for which the sake of further aggrandizing a family, although that I am of, which already lives in great affluence and splendour, and which might be as justly dissatisfied were all that some of it aim at to be obtained, that they were not princes, as now they are not peers. For whenever was an ambitious mind, as you observe in the case of avarice, satisfied by acquisition. The less, surely, ought I to give in to these grasping views of my brother, as I myself heartily despise the end aimed at. As I wish not either to change my state, or better my fortunes, and as I am fully persuaded that happiness and riches are two things, and very seldom meet together. Yet I dread, I exceedingly dread, the conflicts I know I must encounter with. It is possible that I may be more unhappy from the due observation of the good doctor's general precept than were I to yield the point, since what I call steadiness is deemed stubbornness, obstinacy, prepossession by those who have a right to put what interpretation they please upon my conduct. So, my dear, were we perfect, which no one can be, we could not be happy in this life, unless those with whom we have to deal, those more especially who have any control upon us, were governed by the same principles. But then does not the good doctor's conclusion recur, that we have nothing to do but to choose what is right, to be steady in the pursuit of it, and to leave the issue to providence. This, if you approve of my motives, and if you don't, pray inform me, must be my aim in the present case. But what, then, can I plead for a palliation to myself of my mother's sufferings on my account? Perhaps the consideration will carry some force with it, that her difficulties cannot last long, only till this great struggle shall be one way or other determined, whereas my unhappiness, if I comply, will, from an aversion not to be overcome, 
be for life to which let me add that as i have reason to think that the present measures are not entered upon with her own natural liking she will have the less pain should they want the success which i think in my heart they ought to want i have run a great length in a very little time the subject touched me to the quick my reflections upon it will give you reason to expect from me a perhaps too steady behaviour in a new conference which i find i must have with my mother my father and brother as she was pleased to tell me dine at my uncle antony's and that as i have reason to believe on purpose to give an opportunity for it hannah informs me that she heard my father high and angry with my mother at taking leave of her i suppose for being too favourable to me for hannah heard her say as in tears indeed mr harlowe you greatly distress me the poor girl does not deserve hannah heard no more but that he said he would break somebody's heart mine i suppose not my mother's i hope as only my sister dines with my mother i thought i should have been commanded down but she sent me up a plate from her table i continued my writing I could not touch a morsel. I ordered Hannah, however, to eat of it, that I might not be thought sullen. Before I conclude this, I will see whether anything offers from either of my private correspondencies that will make it proper to add to it, and will take a turn in the woodyard and garden for that purpose. I am stopped. Hannah shall deposit this. She was ordered by my mother, who asked where I was, to tell me that she would come up and talk with me in my own closet. She is coming. Adieu, my dear. End of letter 19